Good morning, well, welcome. Moon. We're happy to have you. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Human Wisdom Live. And today we're going to be exploring a subject that is common to all human beings, which is how do we deal with emotional pain and how do we overcome it, uh, especially if it's happened in the past and what are the different ways it shapes our lives. My guest today is John D. Whitus. She's an EFT practitioner and a human wisdom coach, and she'll introduce herself shortly. Hello, John D. Welcome. Hi, Manosh. It's really happy. Uh, anytime I get to be with you, we always have the most wonderful conversations, which are also useful, by the way. Yes, I think it. I always learn something new from all these conversations that we host. So here's a rough plan for the um, next hour. So John D and I are going to speak for about 30 minutes, and we're going to explore four questions. What do we mean by emotional pain? How does it impact us? What are the unconscious ways emotional pain shapes our thinking and our behavior? This is the same in all human beings. And lastly, how can we heal this pain in ourselves? How can we meet this and overcome this pain from our past and allow us to live freshly in the present? You know, when we look at our physical scars, and I have so many from my childhood and various accidents in my life, the scars have all healed and they, they don't hurt anymore, but I can see them, touch them, and they are a reminder of what happened in the past. So physical scars heal. Why do our emotional scars not heal? And what can we do to change that? What's going on in our thinking that stops them from healing and, and so on? So, John D, let's begin with the first question, which is, what do we mean by emotional pain? Well, you know, I, I share a love of working with children with you, and they are able to express so cleanly. And I will say that often it comes out this way. My heart hurts. My heart hurts. So that's beautiful. Yes. And, and there's... I do go, go ahead. I was just going to say that I think that that's just a universally accessible place to start. Yes. Yes. And the causes of this heart hurting could be so many. And each mm. of us have our own unique causes um, in our lives. Um, it could be something from our childhood um, or of course from school or from our parents or from our adult life, you know, with a relationship that's not worked, for example. But whatever the cause might be, I think the way the heart hurts is probably the same, isn't it, John D? Yeah. I think so. And, and also what I believe if we are sitting with this and, and thinking this together today, we can see that often those things that happened earliest are reproduced in one form or another. Yes. Right? Okay. But we carry the hurt with us all our lives, don't we? And it shapes our lives in so many ways that we are yes. often not aware of. 
in fact, so much of the work that you must be doing as a coach and an EFT practitioner is sort of linked to past trauma. Mm -hmm. You think? Yes, I do. I think I think uh, I think we've become much more enlightened about the idea of trauma, and that everyone has some version of it. Hmm. And do you think we're all aware that? this trauma, that we have this trauma in our, in our past and it is shaping our lives in the way that it is? I don't, I don't think so. I, I think that's one of the uh, things that we wanted to convey today is many times what is painful we deny or we run away from or we hide. We don't want to think about um, for fear will make it worse. Some of us are all too aware of that and others refuse to be aware of that. But I compassionately say that because I understand there is no desire to experience that kind of heart hurt again. Yes. And quite some, we assume that our hurt comes from the outside, but actually many times this hurt can come from our from our from ourselves for example it may just be that we felt less than others than when we were growing up that our um, minds compared ourselves with others all the time and as a result of that we just felt less than and we carried the hurt of that all our lives yes I, I think that that's another universal. It's universal to have heart hurt uh, feeling, thought, but it's also universal that we carry that with us as a meaning made. Yes. About us. And it sort of gets woven into the way we think of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So is there a question that we can ask the audience at this point, John D, a little exercise perhaps we could all do. Well, I, well, I think so. I, I think that's the value of this universal sort of meeting is, can you find one right now that comes to mind because either A, you've been thinking about it before you even got on or B, since we've been talking has come to you, uh, we all have them. But in the interest of doing things together, um, safely and without too much emotional strain. How about we confine it to something that is very recent and that has some intensity to it because this is not a platform of uh, a therapeutic session. It's a public platform and we're seeking to learn new ways to manage things. So I think that's the first thing we need to do. The second thing is perhaps you have just something you could jot down next to you and it could be a word or a phrase, whatever keeps that in your mind, but we're not going to delve deeply into it. We, we just want you to say, ah, this came up for me, right? It's recent, it's problematic in some way, it's recent. And we're going to ask you to sit with that and lead you through a couple of things. So Manoj, did you want to shape the question again? And then we'll go back to dealing with okay, whatever well, they've done. For now, I'd say, just jot down a recent event that happened that hurt you in some way. And you don't have to share it with us, of course, 
just for yourself. And then we'll ask mm -hmm. you some more questions as we go along. Because our next question that we're going to explore, John Lee, mm -hmm. is how does this emotional pain from our past impact our lives? We're, by accepting or realizing that right now, actually, the pain isn't there. Right now, the trauma isn't there. The, the memory of it is causing me pain, but actually the traumatic event, whatever it was, is in the past. So that's the first thing to realize, that right now I'm safe. And it's the memory of it that's causing me pain. And I would point out that that safety is being determined by yourself. No yes. one, including me or Menosh, is telling you you are safe. We are asking you to orient to your surroundings and notice in this moment, am I safe? Yes. Right? Because there is only your experience of that. And this pain also makes us feel vulnerable, less than capable. Um, sometimes it can make us feel like a victim because it's just constantly preying in our thinking. And we feel the effects of that in our life, even now. So I don't, I don't know what their papers are like, but I will share as a way to just experience this with you, what I came up with recent, not huge, but impactful. How do I know? Well, it had a certain kind of heart hurt and what is it like for me was a pulling back, a pulling back. And when you ask me, well, how does that impact you? And think about that for a second, because first of all, the physical sensation mm -hmm. and acknowledgement was with me. But when I thought about it for just a, a, a few seconds, I went, I am less likely to be open to you. I am less likely to put myself out again. I'm less likely to foster or form or develop, I don't know what the word is, uh, a deeper, better, safer relationship with you. Yes. So if we're in a relationship and you've said something even as recent as yesterday that hurt me, then as you rightly said, my instinct is to withdraw from you, be less open, not uh, be as affectionate. I may not even be able or willing to share that you hurt me or I was hurt by what happened. But um, I carry the memory of that hurt and um, that affects our relationship right now. But suppose the hurt has occurred in my childhood and it's been with me all my life and I have the perception of that hurt um, my heart is still hurting. How does that impact us, John Lee, long-term, you think? Well, again, as you sit with that, I suspect that what happens is you start connecting dots, right? Since that time, mm. after that happened. Mm. And what that has caused me is, is maybe a bigger question so I'm just gonna stay with the tiny experiential idea. And I would say it caused me to think something about myself. So one of the things that you said was less than, another mm. one said vulnerable, 
or like a victim. And so I suggest that maybe what's happening here is a group that I would say my identity has been formed by that. Yes. Who I think I am. Yes. Yes. So this pain that we carry becomes part of our story, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And it becomes part of who we think we are. And we repeat that story to ourselves again and then again. And as a result of that, it becomes part of our identity too. Yes. Yes. Um, that identification, I think, is also what keeps that heart hurt so in place. Yes. Yes. Right? Because we I think that's who I am. Because we become attached to anything we identify with as mine. Yes. <laughs> we do. And because this is such a big part of my past, I've become attached to it. And by the way, all this has happened unconsciously without my awareness. Yes. But the other thing that I notice sometimes is that this emotional pain can lead to low self-esteem. And we may then struggle to form intimate relationships of our own in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, how to say this? We assume that. We assume that identity. We carry that with us. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it does impact our ability. You know, my crowd that, that you're familiar with, Manoj, deals with the energy of that, mm -hmm. right? But we don't have to be energized in any way to, to understand that that carriage, that identity that goes with us, sometimes before us, right, precedes us. Um, but we're busy acting it out. Yes. That's just how we're built. And like you said, it's not conscious. No. Of course not. Nobody would deliberately say, I think I'll enter this situation as feeling less than. Um, yeah, of course we don't. Yes. And maybe we feel scared of being hurt again so we can't be close to people or we may feel undeserving of love because we may blame ourselves for whatever happened in the past i i just want to also point out again not only is it universal and it happens to all of us but the way our very neurology is shaped is to remember things that cause pain or a bad circumstance, bad outcome, so that we can avoid them in the future. And so we realize that this is part of how we're made. You know, it's not to say anything negative about us, it's actually admiring our structure, but acknowledging, I guess it's not but, it's and, acknowledging, well, what might we do with that given the way that we're designed? That's what we're exploring. So that's what the entire Human Wisdom Project's about, is to understand the unconscious drivers in our thinking um, that are shaping the way our lives are. So maybe the third question, John Lee, that mm -hmm. leads to is, what are the unconscious ways this emotional pain shapes our thinking and behavior as human beings, now separate, mm -hmm. independent of your particular pain, whatever it might be. But as human beings, is there some universal way in which it shapes all of us? 
perhaps the first thing could be that, as, I, as we said, it, we repeat the story of what happened to ourselves and we never question our own point of view, do we? No, we don't. I, I, well, until we learn how, I, I think we don't. Until we learn that it's beneficial, I think that is true. We just go along our merry way, doing the best we can to avoid those same potholes. Yes. But also, as we repeat that story to ourselves, it becomes, it assumes a reality in itself. And um, that story may not be true. See, but we Often never question that. Often it's not true, but we never question. So just to pause and, so the intelligent thing might be to pause and ask, is it true? Is it true? And I would even push that just a tad forward and say, and does that really define who I am? Yes. Does, is there another way of looking at the same story mm -hmm. from maybe the other person's point of view? What was going on in the other person's life? And is there another way of seeing the same story that I have repeated to myself and to others so many times that right. it's become such a big part of my identity? Well, that revisitation is an opportunity and it's also, um, I think, a, a creative act, right? To say, is that really true? Maybe we ask, how do I know that? Um, because sometimes we don't know until we sit with, as you were saying. And then again, is can I see this a different way? There's our creativity, right? Yeah. Um, can I, and in myself, as well as what was going on with the other. Yes. Right? So all of that, I think, is creatively working with this meaning made. And I do believe that, that that's one of the things that I'm so attracted to in the Human Wisdom Project, is this universal way of lovingly being able to ask these very basic questions to create a better meaning and therefore way of being yes, or a different reality perhaps yes absolutely you know, because if i can see things from a different point of view mm. the big prize is that my pain could end immediately <laughs> because exactly. I, could, I could realize ah you know this pain was not created by the other person it was created by my own unmet expectations or my own conditioning or uh, or maybe I, I just I, misunderstood. I, I love that. I, I, I hope you will talk take the opportunity to talk more about that right now. Because as I take the opportunity, it might also be calling taking ownership of what I believe about this or what I've thought about this. As we do that, then I think it becomes an act of creating a way to not only overcome emotional pain, which is what we're talking about here today, mm -hmm. but doing it ourselves, you know, stop looking outside of ourselves for what has happened that is painful. Take that power back. Yes. Could you talk more about that? Yes. So what's the root cause of pain? Mm -hmm. 
Right. All pain, all this sense of hurt is from something that's unmet in, my, in me. It's either an unmet expectation of some kind. I expected you to be more loving towards me and you weren't. I'm not saying this applies universally, by the way. You have to decide for yourself whether it's true for you in your particular context. Because if you were physically assaulted, it's a totally different story. Um, but quite often our hurts are caused by our own unmet expectations, which come from our own conditioning. So, for example, if I've been brought up in a traditional household in India where my mom did all the cooking, and I get married and I expect my wife to do all the cooking and she doesn't, then I get hurt and I blame her for hurting me. But actually my hurt is caused by my own unmet expectations which come from my own unconscious conditioning. Now, that's just one example, but you could just change all the uh, characters and the story and it would apply to so many other situations. Understood. And I don't want to go too deep or in any way triggering, but that unmet expectation can also be seen in light of a betrayal of my expectations, yes. right? Especially if you are in a, uh, if, if where the hurt came from mm. is in a dynamic of a person who's supposed to be caring for us. Mm. Yes. That betrayal of expectations is almost, um, you know, that's why the past things, we're, we're looking at the not distant past, because sometimes those are just almost, in a situation like this, they're almost untouchable because they've got so much early, almost pre-verbal stuff coming out of them. But what we have noticed is that these kinds of things get replayed later other opportunities stacking on each other so that that betrayal of my expectations can be met in the kitchen like you said or it can be met in other people for whom let us down means it's doubly impactful because it's happened in the past and it's still driving and so this is the kind of thing i think is useful for them to to talk about with themselves is say how has this thing that we just put down on the jotted down on the piece of paper, how has this thing really been made? Yes. So that's the toughest thing, by the way, to realize and to accept mm -hmm. that our pain is sometimes of our own making, not consciously, but sure. the way the human mind is wired, right? So we unconsciously accumulate lots and lots of expectations lots and lots of emotional needs which we expect others to meet we want to be loved and listened to and understood and physical affection and security and all of that is normal by the way but when those needs are not met again we can feel hurt and carry that memory all our lives right but and be overreactive in the present in a way that sometimes makes the current situation even worse because our reaction is based on many other unmet expectations or repetitions. And how would the other person know that? So two other causes of our own emotional pain. One is comparison, 
my mm -hmm. mind comparing itself with others unconsciously all the time. Like I have a brother who's a millionaire. I'm just a primary school teacher. I own, you know, I'm on the minimum wage or close to the minimum wage. He has exotic holidays. And without realizing why, I grow develop this animosity towards him and this feeling of that I'm a victim somehow, <laughs> you know, even though he actually has just done well for himself. He hasn't done anything against me personally. But the story you just told me was that you're holding them responsible for making you feel less than. Yes, yes, yes. So what I'm saying is that's how the mind works. The mind assumes the cause of its pain comes from, its out, from the outside. But to realize that it comes from our own unconscious drivers in our own thinking is hard to accept. But as you said, it empowers you to do something about it, right? You can solve your own problems then. You don't have to feel like the victim of someone else's behavior. Well, I, I love that. I think that's crucial to us looking at this because that means we give our power away. We constantly give our power away to yes. the other, yes. to define us, to hurt us, to this, to that. Yes. We, we don't have to. Talk more about that. Yes. So taking ownership of your pain and realizing it's a product of your own thinking and your own, the, not your conscious thinking, but your unconscious thinking, that is the tough first step. But once you take that first step, then it, you begin your own journey to healing. Because then you take ownership of what's happened, you examine yourself, you begin this journey of learning about yourself and what's happening inside you. And that is the journey that leads to healing. Can I also say, in this country, um, I'm not as world-traveled as you, I bet, but in this country, we have pain and we have suffering, and they're really kind of two different things here. And so I want to point out that the, the, the thing that you just said reminds me of our suffering instead of our immediate pain. Right. And our suffering is what we are very much in charge of, I think. And that's what, you, that's what that means to me as you speak yes, about yes. that story we tell ourselves. Yes. And of course, there are other unconscious ways. By the way, there are many other ways in which our own mind is responsible for our own sense of hurt. For example, when we're criticized, mm. you know, if I regard myself as a good spine surgeon, which I was in a previous life, and you criticize my surgical skills, I'll be terribly hurt. But if you say I'm a terrible cook, I'll probably laugh and agree with you and say, John D, I need some cooking skills. Please help me. <laughs> So right. we carry many unconscious images of ourselves, which again, we don't realize. And, then, and if they are challenged in any way, we can get hurt and we carry the memory of that all our lives. So that's a separate, and I'll show you on the Human Wisdom app where you can explore this subject for yourself in, in much more detail. But I want to touch on some of the other ways in which this suffering impacts our life. If I am suffering, I'm constantly thinking about myself and my suffering, aren't I? And of course, that leaves very little room for loving others and thinking about others, and that can impact our relationships, do you think? We're living, just living. It leaves very little bandwidth for living, Yes. what is actually going on. Yes. 
because the human mind is occupied with itself anyway at the best of times leaving no room little room for others and to think about others in our relationships and if we are suffering that defines us so much that everything then has to become secondary to that so we expect others the behavior of others to in some way to conform to that you know uh, and that's why some of our relationships suffer because we we don't have the space to love others because we're consumed with our own suffering yeah do you think it can cause anxiety too our previous trauma and our suffering well just like we were talking about a moment ago that that our structure is to avoid doing that again yes. right and so we are anxious like oh no that feels that that sounds looks feels uh like something that happened before that i did not like and so i am i have a heightened we'd call threat response this this idea that somehow we have to be on guard yes and i think it also makes us much more easily triggered so because we our level of suffering is high the trigger that you need for our mind to tip into reaction is much lower so if i'm already stressed and it could be from what's happened in the day but it could also be from past pain and suffering and trauma then the smallest traffic incident and i get out and i lose my um, cool completely don't i uh, or in a domestic environment i lash out and i'm violent and you know that's behind all the domestic abuse we see uh, or one of the factors i think Well, that kind of reactivity, I think if we're being, if we're spending a moment to be in the moment and be honest with ourselves, Yes. That kind of reactivity is often the one that we wish we could take back. Yes. Because it is immediately lashing out and it causes even more, say it with me, emotional pain because of the loop that we have now involved somebody else in. Well, 20% of marriages in some countries are abusive um, according to whichever data you look at but whatever the number is it's too high and one of the reasons could be that some people have suffered and you know as a result that pattern keeps repeating mm -hmm. but johnny there's one other thing that um, we could go on but there's a really important thing i want to talk about which is yes how our mind wants to escape from suffering yes and it escapes yes. through alcohol, drugs, some other addiction beckons, doesn't it? Well, it doesn't. I think it's a stair-stepped kind of thing also. I mean, one of our chief tools is avoidance, right? Or denial. You know, I didn't see that. I'm not going to deal with that. No, I'm not going to go there, right? It's a very low-level common response, which is itself self-protective and... I, I feel compassionate about that. Of course, I don't want to feel that again. Of course, I don't want to go there. And so lots of people dismiss it and other people submerge it. And then if that doesn't work or we need more, which humans are famous for needing more, then we're going to go up the next step, right? Yes. One of our friends, um, fellow coach, um on the human wisdom program 
told me once that he felt less than when he was a young man. He didn't understand why, he just felt less than. And the only way that feeling could, he could get rid of that feeling was through drinking. Mm -hmm. So he started drinking and then for 25 years, the drink had him. Um, so this need for the human mind to escape from its suffering because it doesn't know how to deal with it yeah. is one of the big drivers of addiction in the world. And as you know, lots of data suggest one in 10 people suffer from some kind of addiction or the other. Which I, I suspect that number is lower. I really do um, because we have such very different stories and perceptions of our addictive behaviors. Do you think it's much higher, much, much higher? Yeah, I do. Okay, so John D. now let's move to the last and perhaps the most important question, which is how can we heal this pain in ourselves? And okay. may I begin by suggesting that we begin by questioning the story we tell ourselves, as we said, is it true? Is there another way of seeing the same situation? For example, if my wife leaves me for another man, which is a common, common example of one, I might blame her for my hurt right? and for ruining my life and all of those things. But another way might be to say, well, it's a there's freedom in our relationship. You know, a person is always free. Would I like to be free to move on if I wanted to? Or is it a prison? And so people are free to make choices. And yes, I'm hurting because of my own loneliness, but it may not be her fault. See, so I'm just suggesting that there are different ways of looking at any- I was going to say that, that that's fairly complex on the surface. But underneath it, when I look at it, it's fairly universal. This happened to me, yes. which means what about me? And it's their fault. Yes, yes. Right? It's sort of knee-jerk, universal, whatever. And that's a difficult one because often people are attached to the, but if I'm not, to use your example, if I'm not Mrs. J.J. Brown the third, who am I? And it's so illustrative of how we become attached to an identity when threatened and how that takes us down or gives us that feeling. Yes. Or my sense of me, self-worth. I'm not valued by somebody uh, is affected. And, and again, in all these stories we tell ourselves to remind ourselves that there are other ways of looking at the same story. And if we can find that other way, and it's equally true, a lot of our suffering can end immediately. And, and again, I don't think I want to cage this as work. I want to cage this as can I be more creative, hmm. open, hmm. Uh, expansive in my impressions about this hmm. and see if there's a better way for me, hmm. right? It is very self-serving, hmm. but I think in a totally positive, productive way. Yes. That's such an important thing you just said, which is that this whole journey, this exercise is actually for in my best interest because I want to end my own suffering. <laughs> Firstly, actually, I have to be clear. Do I want to end my own suffering? <laughs> right? well, 
the devil you know is better than the devil you do not is a common phrase, right? Yeah, yeah. do I really want to change that? Because uh, I think some there are people who may not want to end their own suffering, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think you become so attached to it, it's become such a big part of your identity. If I'm not the victim of this, whatever incident it was, then who am I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, I- I think that also is worth saying to all of us with compassion and love, we've figured out a way to be that's good enough, right? It's like, don't rock the boat, (laughs) don't upset the apple cart. Yes, this is misery, but I know how it works. I know how to manage it. I've developed this system. Please don't mess with this. Yes. But now that we've understood how this um, shapes our lives. Maybe one of the things to realize is that right now there is no problem. Right now, you have to decide for yourself, of course, but right now you may feel, you may be in a safe place. You may not be, that trauma is in the past. So right now that problem doesn't exist. Um, And that's, that's, that's a clever piece of work too, is to be able to see that. And I believe it, it requires a little practice on my part is to be able to see my continued thoughts about this roiling around in my mind do not necessarily mean that it's actually a problem in this moment. My thinking is a problem in this moment, but that thing isn't actually happening right now. It's just that I'm thinking about it. Yes. Right. So I think that requires a bit of practice. But again, back here into understanding how it affects us means that we can be very self-interested in a very good way. Yes. And creative. And creative. And if we can take ownership of how we feel, which is what we said, how I respond to what happened is up to me. Though that response is automatic, I'm going to become consciously aware of it as we're going to discuss. So I'm in charge of how I respond. So the suffering is optional, right? Yes. The event is not optional because it's happened already, but my suffering and my reaction to it is up to me and I can respond with wisdom, intelligence, and so on. And it also doesn't have to define who you are now. You can let it go. People sometimes say, if I am not this, then who am I? Mm -hmm. But... uh, there's a world of freedom beyond our pain, um, but you have to dis- you'll only discover it if you let it go and say that doesn't have to define me. My abuse or my story or mm-hmm. I'm the victim, etc. doesn't have to define who I am right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think here's a really good question for our toolbox together, which is, as you say, is this the only way to look at that? Yes. Right. But I'm in charge. I am in charge. What might feel better? Hmm. What might feel better? That, that is sort of our own RX. Hmm. What, might, what interpretation might feel even better still? Just a tiny little question. Right. And realizing if I'm in charge, then why would I not choose better? Why would I not choose a way of looking at something that made me feel better? 
right? That's a really good question. I like that, John Lee. What about the role of forgiveness, John Lee? Because that mm. is so important. Forgiving oh ourselves and forgiving others for the perceived, you know, harm they've done for us. That's so complex. I I don't know about. I don't know about your your current or other countries, but this country we do very badly. I'm just going to say that right here. I think we have a lot of misunderstanding about forgiveness, what that means, and how that functions, and what might be in it for us. Um, those of us that come from extremely early immigrant families, we we have some kind of bashing about you must, you must, you must. And it's somehow tied to the conditions mm. and expectations that we've been raised with for generations about what you must do. So there's a lot of that energy here that I think fights with our ability to take it in and look at forgiveness and be with it and think of, hmm. And in my own reaction to your question, I say all forgiveness, I think, starts with self-forgiveness it cannot be otherwise because the way I have looked at this the meaning I've made of this the way I've let myself become in in suffering with this all of this is mine to forgive or not but once I do it clears the way for me to look and at the other and say what do I want to do or think about that and it is up to me putting that freedom back in our hands all the time but i really think it starts with ourself i i can't see how it does not yes and as you say we may not forgive ourselves because we are conditioned to believing that we should have acted in one yeah. in i should have known i should have done yes. should have said should have should have would have one of the things that really helps me a lot to forgive myself and others is to realize that as a human being, I'm inconsistent, imperfect, often disappoint myself and others. And this is just a part of being human. This is the way the human mind is wired. We are not, we don't live up to anybody's expectations, our own or others. And there are times we behave badly, times we disappoint ourselves, and just as we behave in this way, others do too. We act from self-interest, so do others. We act from our conditioning, so do others. We act from fear, so do others. We act from our desire for immediate gratification, so do others. And it's that deeper understanding that I am the same human being you, everyone else is, allows me to look at myself and others with this compassion. And from that compassion, comes forgiveness. Agreed. And, and also, I think the compassion, if enlarged, if, if encouraged, the compassion can overcome a lot of conditioned thoughts and expectations that I have around, if I forgive, does that mean it's okay? Because it's not okay. Hmm. It's not okay. It is, I'm simply in a different place now, looking at this and choosing the meaning I will make and take forward. Yes. Very different thing, I think. Yes. So 
Karen, I hope that's helped answer your question on how to overcome guilt. And someone else has said in the chat that I'm completely imperfect. And I try not to act out of fear. And there have been times that you do. Okay. So now we've come to this point where we've taken ownership. We've let go of our conditioning. It doesn't define who we are. We've looked at things differently. I've forgiven myself and others. But the memory still triggers that pain, doesn't it, Johnny? Yeah. It's an automatic response. Right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm walking and suddenly some will, someone will say something or do something or I'll see. Mm -hmm. And it just triggers that whole flood of memory and pain in me again. How, yes. what can I do when that happens? Well, you know, this tradition of human wisdom and my own kind of dovetailing here, the idea for me is to take that very basic human wisdom of sitting with mm. and asking myself the truth of that. When I say, what hurt still remains? And what do I perceive that means to me or about me? Therefore, in this other tradition I work in, in energy work, I'm looking at what is left unresolved, unexamined, right? That is still triggerable, right? Taking the time to take that in and sit with and work with these tools that we all have, I believe, is the answer to overcoming the residue of that emotional pain that we carry, not consciously understanding we're still carrying that. Yes. And even if in the daytime it doesn't come up, at night it's triggered, <laughs> you know, some memory, and then suddenly you wake up and you're flooded mm -hmm. with that pain or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. So I've been exploring this and experimenting with it in myself. And there are three steps that I have tried to follow that seem to make a difference. So it begins with realizing that you're actually inside that memory. You're suffering. You're, the narrative is repeating itself in your mind all the time. And you're blaming others. And all of that's going on. And you're the victim. And you're feeling these powerful emotions. And you want to escape or blame others and so on. But the second step, what I do is I step out of and I can, as you say, observe what is happening. So you're with what's happening, but you're not engaged with what's happening. So the memory is there, the sensation is there of the pain, but you're just observing it being with that. Yes. And as you're being with that, that sensation gradually dies down. And what you're left with is an awareness of your own breathing. And then as you focus on that breathing and it connects you to the present, you realize, ah, that pain is in the past. It's not me now. And it's gone. And each time that memory is triggered, it has less of a hold on you because you've just been with it, let it go, and not engaged and given it more oxygen. Yes. Uh, well, I, I do believe that that shows us it's a process, it's a practice, 
Hmm. It doesn't happen like that, darn it. It doesn't, as most things don't. No, it takes right? time. Yes. It does take time, but that taking the time or taking a moment, because here again, our country is obsessed with time and, and many different unhealthy ways. So let's just say, take a moment hmm. to realize, like you said, number one, realize that I'm suffering right now. This, uh, right? And then that I have a thing, right? I'm going to use a millennial term. It's a thing. I've got a thing. I'm suffering, right? And the second part is that observation. Otherwise, just be with, right? I love simple, simple concepts. Just Sit being with, with that Sit sensation. With that. Sit with that, right? And what we have found out is all that reaction and avoidance of the sensation we can actually let it pass through us, leaving only the helpful information if we will allow it. Yes, I love that. Not that it passes it. through you, right? Yes. It's a, for me, it's like a wave that crashes on you. You're on a beach, mm -hmm. a wave crashes mm -hmm. on you. But if you stay still, it recedes again, right? Yes. And it's then you don't need to escape. If you don't need to escape from your pain, you can be with it, then you're not pushed into the arms of addiction of one kind or the other where you end up in a with pain that is so much worse than your initial trauma whatever it might be right right the solution becomes a problem itself yes 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 so um joe has talked about radical acceptance and someone else mm -hmm. said that uh, with flashbacks we humans try to stop them and bury them However, if we accept they happen and are part of our healing, then they lessen as our human form only ever is inbuilt to heal, just like if we fall over and scrape our knee. It never stays scraped. Exactly what I said right at the beginning, that our physical wounds heal and they leave scars that are not painful anymore. And that analogy, I just want to point out my take on it, is that if we allow the body to heal and provide the conditions for that it will do so yes just like our heart yes our hearts will heal i think every heart has the capacity to heal but those key elements we've talked about questioning our story forgiving ourselves and others being with realizing that right now life is beautiful the sun is out the sky is blue the birds are flying whatever connect with the beauty of the world right now and fill your heart with joy and that I think can displace the pain and let go of our attachment to our own identity. And for those who haven't tried it and think it's really hard, I must tell you on the other side of that lies freedom. Mm. On the other side of sitting with your emotional pain or sensation without naming it. Yes. Lies freedom. And can I point this out too? One of the things I like the best about the human wisdom tradition and app that is always evolving and creating more and more and more experiences for you is it becomes an easier way for me to sit with and not feel alone. Yes. Right? Feeling alone is not a great place for humans. So one of the things that I find is these tiny little modules are not only beautiful to look at, but they're also helping me sit with and feel connected. Yes. I'm not alone. 
So, Johnny, I'm going to share the Human Wisdom app for two minutes, just for those who haven't seen it. Oh, okay. And if okay. you could put your um, code in the chat, if you remember sure. it, and yeah, uh, we'll talk about that right in a second. But let me just share this screen for those who haven't seen it. So this is a Human Wisdom app. It's humanwisdom.me. And I'm only going to be here for two minutes um, to show you the resources that we have that are relevant to today's discussion on emotional pain. So the number of stories begin here, if you like stories, on people who have suffered and use their wisdom to um, get over it. So this first story, for example, is about a boy whose parents split and he had problems with alcohol and, and so on. And each of those stories then leads to um, the module that's relevant to that. So for example, it leads you to the stress module and what happens, um, why we get stressed, the many causes of stress that begin in our own thinking and how we can meet stress with wisdom. Um, so that's uh, uh, many stories. You can submit your own story, of course. We'll anonymize it. There's an online journal where you can write your thoughts. Keep your, keep it, keeping a journal, I find it's really therapeutic because you can ask why. The you can put a question, why do I think this way? Why do I feel this way? Is there another way of looking at this? And you can ask yourself that question and then write down your own reflections. And there are a number of podcasts and short videos you can look at. This section introduces what wisdom is, which is learning about yourself and how you could do that. These five videos are for those who need support now. So they give you different ways in which you can deal with stress and anxiety or anger or loss or conflict in a relationship. The journey about learning about ourselves begins with a mind that's quiet. So there are breathing exercises to calm you down or some nature meditations. This section explores how to look at yourself. And we talked about how to look without judgment. You see, that's so important. What happened to me, what I did. You're just human being. Be kind, be compassionate. You're the same human being as 8 billion other human beings. So you can look at the way your mind works without judgment. How to ask the right questions and look without language. This is what John Lee and I have been talking about. How to sit with a sensation without naming it. And this module here, looking without language is invaluable in dealing with the triggering memory of emotional pain from our past. And if you're unfamiliar with this, please take some time and this and explore that uh, for yourself. Then there are modules on conditioning and comparison, all the different ways our mind works, which are really worth exploring for yourself. And um, here in this module on living with wisdom, for example, there's a section on addiction. And in that module on addiction is a session called dealing with emotional pain, which I think, again, you'll find invaluable, which is really what John Lee and I have been discussing today. So there's a lot here for you to explore. And um, I'll leave you to do that at leisure. Um, and I just want to point out this, this is ridiculously 
inexpensive. And the code, therefore, is really to help us find out, you know, who's being able to successfully share this with more people. That's really all it's for, um, for us. But for you, it, it makes it even more ridiculously inexpensive and easy to try and see what you think. Yes. And I want to point out that Menos, you are one of the most open to feedback people I've ever met. I really admire that in you. And I want to say it is welcomed because this is a community evolution, this app, this way of thinking and helping others. Um, so all feedback is welcomed yes. uh, because we seek to make this about excellence. It's not a commercial program. No, we, our goal is to make the world a better place, to reduce suffering. <laughs> How much suffering is there in the world, John Lee? You know. Uh, more than enough, thank you very much. Okay, but so much of our suffering is caused by our own beliefs. Mm, yeah. Right? So for me, whenever there's any emotional pain, I ask myself, what's the belief behind that? Right? And can I question that belief? Is there another way of looking at the same thing? But my emotional pain also calls my attention to something happening in the deeper layers of my thinking, which I'm not aware of. And I then go deeper to say, well, what is that? So often I'll find that I'm conditioned or my mind is comparing or I have some emotional need that's not being met, which is that how the mind works section in the human wisdom app that we were talking about. But for me, pain is an opportunity for learning. And that um, learning can bring healing. As Donald said, you see something clearly and that seeing clearly shifts your perception and can bring freedom. So I think it's for each of us to think of what we're gonna take away. Take one thing away from what we've said and that would be, um, that would be amazing. And we'll share this video with you, share it with others if we can help to reduce any suffering in the world, uh, we'd have done good today. Um, so thank you again. Okay, thank you, for coming. thank you, John Lee. And thank you everyone who's been here and look forward to keeping in touch. This podcast comes to you from the Human Wisdom Project. To find out more about all the topics that we've been talking about here today, please visit our website, humanwisdom.me. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.